Welcome back, everyone. This is Eric Ellison with the Digital Education Podcast. And I'm here with a couple of friends. I'm here with Dennis Eastman, who, if you were listening to our last podcast, uh, he was my guest. And he's going to join me for this series as kind of my co-host in this process. And then we're with a great friend of mine and a great educator. Uh, oh, we've got lots of stories, lots of stories. But um, Dan Daly. And so in this, we're having this conversation, Dan, about stories of becoming more human, where we as educators often put ourselves in a position of where we want to make a difference in a kid's life, right? And I was your teacher, you have stories. I don't know if I made a difference or not, but there is also that place where the relationship in return or the experience in return changes who we are, makes us better people, but then also better educators. So Dan, two things really quick, and I'm just going to throw it over to you and then let Dennis maybe ask follow-up question. We'll go from there is number one, what do you do? Where do you work? And what's your world in education? Cause it's a little bit different than most people. And then number two, <laughs> number two is, is give us an anecdote. Give us a story of an experience that, you know, really impacted you and changed you and made you not only a better person, well, not only a better educator, but a better person. All right. Well, um, I teach uh, special education at Howell Elementary in Chicago. We're kind of right in the middle of the Austin neighborhood. Um, it's a rough neighborhood. So it's, a, you know, it's a different experience than I had when I was, you know, growing up and going through school and pretty much everyone I know, um, you know, circling back to what you said, one of the things that I take, and I'll be talking about it, about, you know, this one particular student, but what you were just saying about how, you know, whether or not you impacted me and that what I'm going to be talking about is one of the biggest things, how you impacted me. And that is being a personable teacher who like, it was not just invested in me getting good grades in the classroom, but invested in me as an individual. You know, and um, and I want to thank you for that because you know there there's a reason that you know we've maintained this friendship through all these years because you you were that teacher who you know was like, hey man, how's it going? What do you what do you want to do after you know after you get out of here? How can I help with that? You know, like those things that you know as a teacher, it's easy to shuffle your kids in and out of the classroom you know, but, you know, stopping and, you know, being involved in their life other than just the academics in front of you is such a big piece of it. So, um, but yeah, it's, uh, that's a really interesting question. You know, I, my wife always laughs at me because I have days where I come home and I'm like, hey, uh, you won't believe what happened at school today. And I call these the humbling moments, you know, and I'll just start off with a little, like one that happened. It was, I think it was my second, third year of teaching here. I'm going into my ninth year now at this school. And uh, I had a group of sixth and seventh graders and, you know, we're going through it. The thing about a lot of the kids in my neighborhood is, you know, I might have sixth graders who have a lot more responsibility than, you know, I did when I was a kid. I might, I have sixth graders who go home and babysit a two-year-old, you know, until mom gets home from work and second shift or, you know, um, and they all seem so grown up at times compared to what I would say, you know, the kids that I'm used to seeing that are my son's friends around, you know, my son's in fifth grade now, but you know, my nieces and nephews around the same age as my kids at school. And we're sitting in class and one of the kids brought one little Lego guy. And the kids had like 20 minutes of free time at the end of the day. 
And I'm sitting there at my desk and I look up and everybody's gathered. I'm talking 11 kids gathered around one desk. And I'm like, what is going on over there? You know, I was worried they were like, you know, doing something they shouldn't be doing. I walk over and there's 11 kids playing with one little Lego guy. And I was just like, they're still kids. Like it's my, you know, like I, it was one of those moments where I was like, I make these assumptions and I treat these guys older like adults because they act like adults. And then yeah, you have this moment where you're like, man, they're still kids. Like they, they are still enthralled by a Lego guy. Every one of these kids, you know, my wife always laughs at me. I'm like, but those are the moments, you know, that I have to stop and take account. And I'm like, am I doing what's right by these kids by not, you know, understanding that this is a, you know, this is a whole nother side of them that I'm not seeing yet. And those are the moments that are kind of the turning points as I'm planning what to do and what, you know, how to interact with my kids. And so, you know, bringing it to a specific student, I had a student who transferred in a couple of years ago. He was in sixth grade and he had two siblings in the school and they came from a rough, rough home situation. Um, you know, the, the two siblings were older. They, um, one of them was hospitalized uh, with behavioral issues for most of the year. Uh, the other one was, you know, suspended every other day. And so was my student. And when they came, you know, you get IEPs and you get reports on the kids as they transfer in. And that's kind of the only thing you have to go off of, you know, and um, it didn't read good and it was rough. Sometimes it's completely off, but this is the kid that I'll never forget out of all the kids that I've seen. It's the kid that came in and turned my world upside down. Um, and as much as, you know, he did an amazing job turning himself around in class, you know, we're talking about how he affected me and he had a huge effect on me. He was a kid who just clamored for attention, no matter what, didn't matter if it was at school or at home or, you know, he was, uh, he was in a sport and, you know, no one ever went to his, you know, he didn't have any family that went to his events. So I went to all his events on the weekends. You know, I helped coach him some, he was in wrestling, you know, and I mean, even at the wrestling meets, I'd have his teammates coming up like, yo, you got to get him. You got to get him. He was like taking kids headgears and running around, you know, just because any attention is attention, you know? Um, but his was just to the extreme and it was with him that I just realized like there's just, it was just too much focus on academics. He had such an intense need for the social and emotional piece that wasn't being met elsewhere. And I started incorporating that, not just with him, because I would do that in my classroom. If I have a student who comes in, who you know, has a goal for social and emotional things. You know, I work on those goals, but he was the one where I was like, you know, I didn't know this was going on, or I don't know this is going on. And I always, you know, I think we have a tendency to assume if we're not seeing it, it's not happening, or, you know, we just kind of gloss over it, but there's all these things happening at home, not just for him, but for all, you know, all the kids that I see. Um, and so I started, just focusing on the social and emotional piece for, I mean, weeks with the whole class. I just, you know, I mean, I'm not, not, I wasn't not doing academics, but I just decided, you know, if he needs this, the kids need this, you know, and as we're going through this, he is 
lashing out more and more as we're like, he would take like two steps forward and he would start to open up. And then all of a sudden the next day he, you know, I'd have to clear out my classroom because he's throwing a desk, you know, or, and then he comes back the next and the, you know, the principal comes in and I said, I don't want him suspended. It's not helping him being suspended. Bring him back tomorrow. He needs to know that I want him here. You know? And I kept like pressing that, like, I want you here, you know? And, and he just kept escalating and escalating and escalating. And it was so difficult. You know me, you know, I have a daughter with special needs and there are certain words that are not allowed to be used in my, in my room. You know, I explained to my students that, you know, using the word retard is a derogatory term, you know, to a, a population of people. Um, you know, and he uh, one day just started going, you know, talking about my daughter and talking, you know, and like you can just tell he's just pushing and pushing it because a lot of the kids in my neighborhood have experienced leaving so much. Teachers come for a year and, the, and they're gone. You know, I've got kids whose parents are in and out of their lives for any number of reasons, or, you know, they've, you know, students who have lost siblings or cousins to violence or, you know, um, and I could just tell the more that he's opening up, the more he's, you know, pushing me and just like, are you going to leave? Or are you going to leave? You know, and those are the things that with him that I was like, you know, how often do I do that to people? You know, and, and I really started thinking about how I interact with my wife in particular, um, but, you know, my family and friends in general, you know, because I think as adults, we have a tendency to, we have that, that person, I would say, you know, my kids can come to school and act and lash out because they know it's a safe place to do that. They know that, you know, there's not a whooping coming or that, you know, like, and as I saw William pushing back and pushing back, even though, you know, it was just like, come on, we're, we're making, you know, we're gaining, we're gaining, we're doing this, we're gaining. And it just, it just got more intense before it finally, you know, backed off a little bit. I just thought about my own life where, you know, I do that too. Like I get in a, you know, like, you know, I know, uh, Eric, you know, I've got some health issues and, um, you know, I'm in pain a lot and, you know, that stuff, it boils up, you know, and like you get irritable and, you know, and the person that I take that out on is my wife. Like, you know, and I know that's terrible to say, um, but, you know, and, you know, by the grace of God, she, you know, she is there for me regardless, no matter how much of a dope I'm being, no matter how, you know, upset I am or whether or not I'm like, I gotta go. I need, I need some space. You know, she's, always there for me and it you know it just got me thinking about what am i you know what am i doing to to support her in the same way that she's supporting me you know and um it, it just it gets me to start thinking about those things and and teaching those things to to my kids um at home and my kids at school like you know it is okay it is okay to lash out is okay. Find that person who can be that person for you, but, you know, let them know that they are that person for you. Communicate that with them. Um, you know, we all have these massive attention seeking behaviors, whether it is, you know, I mean, for adults, it can be any number of things. It could be, you know, yelling, it could be gambling or whatever, you know, like there's, there's always something. Um, but, you know, being with this student just helped me 
open up more about myself to my family and, you know, educationally, my students. And it's made such a huge difference in my relationship with the rest of my students, because with a kid um, like this one, it's so, it's so easy to kind of get invested in that. And, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, Dennis had mentioned earlier about, you know, like there are things that you do that you don't realize that you've done this, but the kids are thinking about it all day long. Right. And I've just found that, you know, working with him, it just made me open up about myself more with the kids. And in doing that, the kids are engaged. They are invested in me as much as I'm invested in them. And that reciprocal relationship is the most important piece of, of teaching. I, I don't, I'm not going to speak to other areas, but in my school, um, having a relationship with your kids. That's the first thing I tell any new teachers now is don't even worry about teaching these kids for the first two to four weeks. If you, if you're, if you don't have a relationship with them, you're not going anywhere. They're not, they're not, you know, when I first worked, you know, got hired here, one of the other special education teachers told me, he's like, these guys aren't going to bother to learn your name for two years. All people do is leave. And he was right. Like, Aside from my direct students, no one in the school knew how I was. But year three, year four, every single kid in the student knows, or every single student in the school knows who I am because I've had siblings and cousins. I'm around. There's a presence in the school. Um, and beyond that, you know, I'm willing to open up to to the kids. You know, I've had kids who come in my classroom because they're, you know, having a rough time in the hallway. I, my class is empty. I've got a nice, like, cool zone in my room where the kids can just, and I'll just pull them out of the hallway and bring them in. They don't even have to, you know, I've never had them before, never had them in class. I'll pull them in, and then when we're done, we'll sit down and talk, and I have no problem opening up about myself to a student who is essentially a complete stranger to me. You know, and, and that comes from this other student because, you know, he opened up to me despite all the pushing back, despite all the anger and all this. And I was just like, man, if, why, why can't I do that? I mean, you know, I got a kid, this kid left his house at 2 AM was found wandering the streets three miles away from his house because he needed to get out so bad, you know? And the next day he came in and I was like, are you okay? And we started talking and he just goes, yeah, I just, I just, you know, I didn't want to get another beating. You know, and it's like those moments where it's like, and then that leads to even more awkward because I'm like, I have, I can't not call after this. Like, you know, go ahead. No, Dan, I mean, this, there's so many things you can go. I'm, I'm going to let Dennis ask the next Sorry, question. yeah, so I know, Dennis, I, I know I ramble. Dennis, no, no, no. It, it, it's great, right? Because this is the Dan I know, right? But Dennis, jump in and ask a question because there's so many different... I want to see where you take this because there's well, so many different questions you could ask out of what Dan has shared. Well, now I feel the pressure to ask a really brilliant question. I don't know that I have one, but Dan, I got to tell you, I super appreciate what you're doing for kids. And um, Eric and I spoke about um, the importance of relationships in, in all of this, right? That's, that's the catalyst that helps us move from being just a teacher to being an impactful uh, presence in their life. And you gave us so many wonderful examples. And I was just, you know, I'm kind of curious. Uh, I appreciate what you talked about observation 
And I mean, the fact that you get up from your desk just to find out what they're doing, the fact that you'll pull a kid in from the hall because you see he or she is struggling right now, that's huge. And so um, I'm curious, as you, um, as you define relationships with kids, um, I define a relationship as the importance of an individual being seen, known, and wanted. Seen, known, and wanted. Are they seen, known, and wanted in my class, in my house, in my wherever? And I can see that you're taking specific steps. I, I would be curious, um, in including your vulnerable population, right? So you're saying, is there a question in there? Here's really the question. Um, what are you doing to try to in be intentional rather than accidental about helping kids be seen, known, and wanted in your class every day? Because it really is an effort, right? I mean, I know we love the kids, but it, you can get so caught up in your own program that, but now I'm, I'm hearing a man who's moved from just program to personal relationship. So can you talk to me about that? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm I'm super intentional about it, um, and that's just kind of something that has developed since I've been working at um, at this school. Actually, it was my second or my first year here. The kind of the first time I had a teacher kind of you know point me that direction. You know, my first year here, we shared a I shared a closet <laughs> with a, with another teacher. You know, we pulled we pulled kids line desks in a long closet. And, but, you know, uh, her name is Beth Wayland. She's a great teacher. And I had one inclusion block and I went to it. The gen ed teacher was out and I had this kid in the class who ended up being one of my future students. Um, and he was just, I was just like, oh my gosh, what I can't, I can't, what is going on here? Like the kids were just crazy, you know? And I'm like, trying to get them reined in. I'm like, you guys need to sit down, you know, and we'll do detentions, you know. And I went back up and she was sitting up there. I was telling her, she's like, why did you even bother trying to teach them? She's like, why don't you just get to know them? I was like, probably the best piece of advice I've heard in 20 years, you know. Um, and I pride myself, you know, I pride myself on believing that my classroom is the safest environment in my school. Uh, because to me, where I teach, that's my number one concern. My kids need to feel safe coming into the classroom. Um, and I do that with the way that I set up my space. I do that with the way I interact with the kids. I, I try to, I don't wanna walk that rigid line of I'm the teacher, I'm the teacher. Right. You know, I want the kids to know, like, you can talk to me, but I, I make them very aware that there are boundaries. You know, we've talked we talked about this in class, like, okay, hold on where you're going with this right now. I need to warn you. If you keep telling me about this, I may have no choice, but to say something to a principal or to get the social worker, you know, and I'm really honest with the kids. Um, and I think that facilitating that open, honest relationship is kind of the biggest thing. I mean, I do SEL units on literally giving and accepting apologies and talking about how it's okay to be upset at someone for not apologizing to you for something and that sometimes they don't even know and it's okay to ask someone for an apology. 
you know, and a lot of times those things are driven by what's happening in class. Or if I have a student who comes in and, you know, has some sort of issue, you know, I may just be like, okay, you know, we're going to switch it up today, guys. We're going to talk about this today as a group, you know, and I think that that flexibility and just always keeping in mind that facilitating a safe environment where the kids feel safe and can be open and honest um, is kind of what drives everything. I mean, academically speaking, it's the same thing. Like, my kids need to know that they can take a risk in my classroom, whether that's being an eighth grader who's reading at a first grade level and reading in front of the class, knowing that when he reads, no one's going to laugh at him. As a matter of fact, you're probably going to have four kids who try to help him to the point where I say, guys, hold off, hold off, hold off. He can do this. You know, um, I think that being super intentional about it and uh planning everything I do I mean even the space in the classroom around it I think that is to me it's more an implicit you are valued because I'm hearing you you are valued because you are safe you are valued because you can take a risk here and no one's going to judge you you know I I don't think that you know it is necessarily, you know, an explicit thing where I'm telling you, you know, kids all the time, like you are valued. You know, I tell them you are smart, you can do this. But I think it's the implicitness of everything being built around that safe, open, welcoming environment. Um, and I think, again, it goes back to what I talked about with, you know, especially with that the students I talked about earlier, that self-reflection, like, and opening up myself to the students, because, you know, you it's amazing what you can implicitly tell someone by the actions that you take. And if I'm willing to talk about my struggles at home with my daughter with special needs, or, you know, talk about, you know, Oh, my son and his, I mean, even little things like talking about my son and Fortnite and like how he tells me about this character, there's a new thing coming out, you know, like those things and just being intentional about talking about those things with the kids. So they are like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I talk about that too? Like, yeah, absolutely. You can talk about that. Um, I, I don't, you know, I would rather give up 10 minutes of instruction to finish the conversation and let the kids, you know, get out what they need to get out than be like, sorry, guys, we got to cut it off here. Because at the end of the day, those communication skills and those cope skills we work on, I mean, in the neighborhood that I work in, being able to cope with anger or, you know, uh, whatever emotion the students are trying to cope with, you know, being able to cope might be the difference between growing up or not growing up. You know, it, it, like that sounds extreme, but it's not. But, so Dan, let me ask one final question because because I'm really interested in this, right? Because it is, it's about, you know, who you've become. I've known you now for a long, long time, <laughs> you know, and, and it's, you know, it's amazing. You are who I knew you to be 21 years ago. But yet, you know, it's still that becoming, right? And so you talk about in your, I know your um, community, right? That you talk about in Chicago, that neighborhood that you're in, one of the highest need neighborhoods. You're at a high need school. You're in a high needs position in special education. And you talk about people just come and go, people come and go, people come and go, right? They're not going to get to know your name for two years. What? And you've been there nine years now and you continue to go, what continues to give you that hope in these relationships and in this work to keep coming back and keep coming back and to keep coming back when so many people just, you know, fade away? 
I, for me, it, it is the relationships with the kids. Like, I, you know, I've had, you know, like in any job, you know, I've had issues with coworkers or bosses or whatever, you know, but like, I always think to myself, if that kid leaves this school and he hasn't learned much, but he's walked out of here with some coping skills, he walked out of here knowing that someone here gave a, you know, what about him? Like that, that to me is enough. Like, yes, I want more, you know, but the kids are amazing. You know, I mean, some of my kids and the, the resilience that they have, you know, like it's hard, it's hard to walk away from that. You know, it's like, it, you know, there are times where I'm like this guy, this kid, if I was in his shoes, I'd never show up to school. There's no way. Never would I show up. I had an eighth grader my first year here who was taking care of four siblings. He would, he'd miss school three days a week. Because, you know, his mom worked, his dad wasn't around, and he had, uh, you know, a two, a four, and like a six-year-old sibling, and he would just not come to school. And, you know, he'd come to school, and, you know, teachers would give him a hard time. I'm like, hey, man, I'm glad to see you. Like, I'm glad that you, that you didn't stay home today, because he could have stayed home on Tuesdays and Thursdays and just never showed up. No one was going to, you know, his mom wasn't going to stop him from staying home those two days, but he showed up. And it's just, you know, the kids show up. They care they want to do well. They want to go to high school. Like all these things that, I mean, I took that stuff for granted when I was a kid. It was like, yeah, you're going to, you know, I'm going to go to, you know, Ardmore Elementary. I'm going to go to Jackson. I'm going to go to Willowbrook. I'm a graduate. I'm going to go to college. You know, like, it's just like, it's what's expected of us. That is not what is expected of a lot of the kids in this neighborhood, you know? So if they're willing to show up and have those expectations for themselves, who am I to say, Hey, deuces, you know, I'm, I love it. You know, the fact that they're willing to show up, it's like, all right, if you can do it, I can do it. Like we can do this together. I'm good with that. Like, you know I mean? And when those kids graduate eighth grade, I mean, guys, the eighth grade graduation ceremonies are around, around here are huge. Sometimes like families all show up because for a lot, you know, the, the real truth is that a lot of the kids that graduate eighth grade don't go on to graduate high school. I've had a lot of kids, to don't anyone in their family who graduated high school, you know? So, you know, to, you know, it's really a humbling privilege to be able to work with these, you know, this population of students every day and just, you know, be like, all right, you got to do a great high school. That's awesome. Like, I can't wait to hear from you in two years. I love when my kids come back, you know, and all of a sudden they're seven feet tall and, you know, talking like a man and, you know, I'm like, so what he does? I've just been in high school staying away from drugs. I'm like I, this happened last uh, two years ago before COVID. I had a student who came back and this is one of the kids that I was worried about. He just, you know, he was just one of those kids that I thought this kid's going to fall into some bad stuff. And he came back and he's like, so-and-so is doing this. It's not good. So-and-so is doing this, but I stayed clean. I'm in, you know, I'm going to graduate, you know? And it's just like, man, that's cool. I got to take part in that. You know, I, I think that, you know, that's, <laughs> You know, it's it's not all altruistic. You know, it's nice to know that you know you, you get that feel, that warm fuzzy. Like I helped that guy for three years, and he's gonna graduate high school. So he's the first kid in his his family gonna graduate high school. You know, and and on top of it, he had a very serious learning disability. You know, and he still still got through it all, um, and, and came out the other side with with a high school diploma. Uh, you know, and it's, it's just those things. You know, those are things. It's just like it's cool to be a part of. 
Dan, man, this is amazing. Thank you so much. Dennis, thanks for being with me again in this. Uh, I love you, buddy. I love you guys. And, and Dan, you know what? Keep it up. Thanks. Thanks for having me. This is, yeah, this is a blast guys. If you ever, if you ever want uh, if you ever want me back on, let me know. I'd be more than happy. It's fun. I'd like to hear, I've, I gotta go back and start listening to the podcast now. I didn't even know <laughs> you had a podcast till you, till you messaged me. I was like, hey, Oh man. <laughs> you know what, you know what we're like, you know what? We love to talk. We love yeah. to talk. Oh, so we just need an outlet for it. So guys, Great thanks stuff, so man. much. <laughs> Thank you.